Good morning, church. Can you hear me? Amen. Amen. All right. I'll turn that down just a little bit. Whether y'all believe it or not, I don't like to hear my own self talk. As you will, uh, turn with, you to, with me to 1 Peter. Um, that's where we're going to be the re- remainder of these next couple weeks. Um, I'm excited to see all you guys here. Let me share something with you that God kind of spoke into my heart this week. I was coming out of my driveway, um, headed, headed to work. And uh, the way my driveway, when you come out of it, you're looking directly in where the sun's coming up. It was early in the morning, and, and it was just one of those mornings where I caught it just right. And the sun was coming up, and it was the, the day before was nasty, and it was a, just a nasty day. And the clouds were so black. And when I was coming up my drive, I just looked, and the, to the left of my drive was nothing but total darkness, just as black as clouds you've ever seen. But there was a definite line where the sun had pushed back the darkness. And in that moment, God spoke to me. He said, that's what I do in the lives of those who follow me. That when we truly are following Jesus Christ, he pushes back the darkness. Amen? He pushes back those things. But we have to look to the sun to see that he's changing us. Amen? Amen. That he's pushing back the darkness. And man, I was so glad. But see, also what I realized when I looked at that horizon as it was coming up, that there was a definite line between darkness and the light. You can't play on both sides. You're either in, you're living in darkness or you're living in the light of Jesus Christ. And as I read that, as I, as I looked at that, I'm reading the scripture this week. It's like God was speaking, confirming the message he laid on my heart. Because the life of an everyday Christian is a life of someone living in the light of Jesus Christ. Amen? Somebody that's focused on following Christ. Amen? And that's what, that's what we're called to be. We're called to be everyday followers of Jesus Christ. But what bothers me and what burdens my heart so much is that I realize that society has blurred the lines of what it means to be an everyday Christian. In society, being an everyday Christian means that you continue in the sin that you always lived in. There was the, to be in a life of everyday Christians to society means that we're no change. We just show up really religiously to a church service, and nothing really changes. Society has blurred the lines to where there's so many people that are not true followers of Jesus Christ. So many people are just like, they're just maintaining. They're just coming to appease their conscience that they're truly centering their life on Jesus. And man, when I read, that just breaks my heart. There's so many people that are acquaintances of Jesus and not followers. I mean, if you're acquainted with somebody, you just know who they are, right? But if you have a personal relationship with somebody, you have a connection. You're going to check on them. You, you, you have a relationship with that person. You're going to make sure they're doing okay. You, you, you're in constant communication with them. And if you don't have a constant relationship with Jesus Christ, he's just an acquaintance of yours, and he's not, you're not following him. He's not the Lord of your life. I ain't going to get no help today, am I? But I'm just saying, so many people are so confused in that. And it breaks my heart because you have a lot of people that claim to be followers of Christ, but they really don't show it. And the reason they don't show it is because in reality, they never really were his. Because as we're reading in a minute, that to be a follower of Jesus means there's a difference in your life. And that you can, p- you, you can pick out those who are followers of who are not. We stick out. Those of us that are followers of Jesus Christ, we should stick out in society. Amen? I, I've got some sheep. I've got 10 sheep. And all, of, all the females are white with black faces, every one of them. But there was a male sheep, he's solid white. 
I can walk in that pasture and I can pick out the male every time. You know why? Because he stands out. Because he looks different. And that's how we should be. We should be in a crowd of people and somebody should say, that's the follower of Christ because of the way we stick out from the crowd. But in reality, it doesn't do that because people in, in, in a group of, of people, you can't, a lot of times you can't see who is a follower of Jesus and who is not because we try to blend in instead of stand out. And blending in does not show a heart of someone that truly is a follower of Jesus Christ. I want somebody to look at me and know that I'm a follower of Christ. Amen? That my life produces the fruit that honors the sacrifice given by Jesus. And unless we are truly just constantly focused and following him, that will never happen. And when we read 1 Peter, what I love about this is he's an ordinary man telling you how to live an ordinary life for Christ. Every day, what it should look like. You know, it gets me, though, before we even get into the text, is that we try to project that we are a Christian every day. And what gets me is that you'll have people that come to church on Sunday, and they praising Jesus, and on Monday, they are. Uh, they posting some stuff on social media they shouldn't post. On Monday, they, they, they talking about going to the club on Friday. Ooh, they, put, they post their scripture, and then about five minutes later, oh, I was at the club here, here, and here. Does that paint a picture that we're a follower of Jesus? Come on, you can talk to me. No, it does not. Uh -uh, we, we want to post some scripture on social media and, and, and talk about just how much we love Christ. And then the next day, we're talking about how we just cussed somebody out at Walmart. Come on now. Does that show? And what we do is we're painting a picture to the world that we can be a hypocrite and we can live a double life. But that's not what an everyday Christian looks like, is it, church? We're somebody that, that, that when somebody looks at us, they should be able to see the change Jesus has made in their life. Not this double life. They see us posting pictures on, uh, posting uh, scriptures on the internet, and then next thing you know, they see us posting pictures and stuff that we went to see a movie that, that probably had a lot of sexual explicit material in it. I, it just gets under my skin when I see somebody that is, that's putting all this out there, like, I'm a follower of Christ, I'm a follower of Christ, and next thing you know, they say, well, I went and seen this movie, and it's got, it says... 7,000 F-bombs in it, use the Lord's name in vain, there's sexually explicit material in it. That does not tell the world that you are a follower of Christ because you're, 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 you're just indulging yourself in things that don't please God. There is a definite line there between following Christ and following the world. There's a line there. And, and because of the death of Jesus Christ, he drew that line in the sand. He said, either you're going to follow me or you're not. And a lot of us need to make up our mind. Are we going to follow Christ or are we not? Y'all ain't ready for this. But I'm telling you this in the seriousest manner because this is serious. It's isn't about I'm going to have a good time. This is where you're going to spend eternity. If we're living our life for us, for the moment, for right now, what makes us comfortable, what makes us fit in right here in this earth right now, we will die and, and, and never, ever, ever experience the presence of God again because we'll be separated from him in hell. And you might go to church every Sunday. Are you totally surrendering and centering your life on Jesus Christ? And that's, what Peter, that's why Peter wrote this because he was wanting people to understand the magnitude in which it meant to truly follow Jesus every single day. Every single day. So 1 Peter chapter 1. We're going to back up a little bit. Verse 18. God, it just really spoke to me. It says, For you know 
before you know, so you, so before you know, before that you recognize that it has not, sorry, I'm, I'm all excited and I'm just messing myself up. For you know that it was not with perishable things as silver or gold that you were redeemed, that you were rescued, that you were, that you were just uh, ransomed from the empty way of life, from the useless life, from the fruitless life before, the life that you were handed down from your ancestors, from the ways of the world. I want you to understand that again. So, for, so now that you recognize that you were, that it is not with perishable things in which silver gold, that you were redeemed, that God rescued you from this useless, fruitless life, the ways of the world. But, verse 19, but with the precious blood of Jesus Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. See, with that precious blood, we were bought with a price. It was the precious blood of Jesus Christ in which we can come to him. Amen? He was chosen before creation of the world, but was revealed in the last times for your sake. That him, through him, you may believe in God. So through Jesus Christ, that you may not just believe, but you must adhere to, you must rely on. That's what believe means. We rely on Jesus. That's what a true everyday Christian does, relies on Jesus. Whom raised him from the dead and glorified him and so your faith and hope are in God. So because we adhere to God, because we rely on God, then our life is what? Centered on God. It's resting on God. Our whole life is resting on God. It's not about us. We're not in control anymore. Our life is centered on God and on Jesus. And every day Christian, their life is centered on Jesus Christ. They don't just acknowledge him as a savior, but they rely on him for their every single day life. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for one another, love one another deeply from the heart, for you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. And that word at the end of, in the middle of verse 22 is a word that we don't like. I want you to circle it. It says, believe, I mean, obey. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth. God's word says that obedience is better than sacrifice. We don't talk about the things that we sacrifice for God. That's great. But are you obeying his word? Are you obeying the truth of God? See, that's one thing we don't want to do. We want to say that we're obeying God, but are we truly obeying God? And a lot of us aren't obeying God because, number one, we don't read the Word of God to know what God wants us to obey. Come on now. Come on. I told y'all y'all weren't ready for this this morning. See, we need to realize that, that the only way that we're going to be able to do, that we were, to understand what we were made to do is that we were chosen by God once we're saved. Our purpose is to glorify Jesus, right? Our life should glorify Jesus. Ask, my, ask yourself, last week, did my life glorify Jesus? Did my actions glorify Jesus? Did it show somebody that was walking away from sin, walking away from things that don't please God, or did it show that I am still a conceited individual that is all about me and my comfort? Because that shows the true litmus test. God doesn't want a bunch of fake people to claim to know him. He wants true followers of him, Amen. And 
I want you to understand that we are made to glorify Jesus. So in that way, we will stand out. The only way we're going to stand out, like Alice preached last week, that we got to know where we came from. The only way that we have the ability to even live and, 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 and just obey God is because of Jesus, because of the sacrifice he made for us. I want you to understand that. We will never, ever be able to, to please God apart from Jesus Christ, apart from following Jesus. Do you understand the mercy in which that is? God looked down. He's seen, he seen you in your sinful situation. He's seen you, in a per, he seen you as a person that was far from God, following your own desires, and he had mercy upon you. He said, I sent my son, Jesus Christ, and I sent my son down here so that their sin will fall on his back so they may have an opportunity to have eternal life if they choose to follow him, not just, not just acknowledge who he is. You know, mercy is having compassion or forgiveness, showing someone mercy. It's being compassionate towards someone who, um, who has the, it's that one person like God is merciful for us because he has the power to be able to condemn us. He has the power to judge us, but yet instead he does judge us, but he has compassion over us. He has, he has the power to punish us or harm us, but instead he chose, he chose to forgive us. The God of the universe that could snap his fingers and we could cease to exist right now chose not to be done with you, but to offer you a second chance. Is that exciting or not? Is that, I mean, that's something we should be shouting happy about. Of the mercy of God. See, a lot of times we think about we're entitled to our salvation, and we're not entitled to our salvation. We only have our salvation through the mercy of God. See, it's just it's just crazy to me how we just we we don't understand that. We forget that mercy, the mercy of God. Through the mercy of God, we are we God offered you a second chance. Who's happy for second chances right here this morning? I am. I'm happy for second chances and third chances. I'm happy that my God offers second chances. It's through the mercy of God that, that you were able that he, you, he was able to forgive you so you can reconcile your marriage. Amen? Amen. It's through the mercy of God in which he brought you back when you turned away from him. God's mercy is something that we take so much for granted. An everyday Christian realizes that our life should be glorifying God. And we realize that when we realize that Jesus is the reality, he's the one that's done the most, that's done everything in our life. And we realize that Jesus Christ is the cornerstone of our life. When we realize that, it's the natural response for us to want to center our life around that. We want to do anything we can to please him, to honor him, to thank him. That means surrendering our life to him. Amen? See, I just... I want you to understand a picture of, of, of just each of us. When we realize who Jesus is and our life should glorify him, our life should be centered on him. Every single day should be centered on him. If our life is centered on Christ, we'll be worried more about how we can project Christ to other people than what other people are doing to us. See, that's what's the problem with most people is we're worried about how we look, how, what, what hurts us. He hurt my feelings. They did this to me. They did that to me instead of worried about how we are projecting Christ. And if we, our life was centered on Jesus Christ, we'd be worried about how my actions affect the witness of Jesus Christ. 
this is some hard stuff this morning, but an everyday Christian is somebody that realizes that we were made to glorify God. It's just, uh, I tell you, it breaks my heart because we think we live in a society that's fooled a lot of people to making you realize, making you think that you can live one way and die another. And that's a lie from the pits of hell. You can't live wrong and die right. God don't care about a, 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 just a, a commitment that didn't mean anything. He cares about a heart that's devoted to him. And if you truly meant what you said you meant when you raised your hand and say, I have now decided to follow Jesus, you know what? You're going to follow Jesus. You're going to rely on Jesus. You're going to center your life on Jesus. You're not just going to show up every now and then to appease your conscience. You know what else you're going to do? You're going to do the hard things. You're going to walk away from sin. You may even walk away from people in your life that are holding you back from following God. Why? Because he's worthy, amen? amen. We've got to stop making excuses about all oh, this or all that. I, 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 can't, I can't make a decision to walk for Christ because I might lose my job. I'm telling you, if Jesus Christ is the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning, and the end, if he's calling you to do that, you need to do that because guess what he'll do? He'll, he'll, he'll send you somewhere else. We got to quit making excuses. We say we believe in Christ. Why don't we act on that? We find ourselves living in a sinful situation, but yet we continue to live in that. Why? Because we're worried about ourselves instead of about Jesus. I want Jesus to be made great in my life. If I want Jesus to be made great in my life, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do whatever I can do to please God. I'm not worried about nobody else but Jesus. That's how we should be. But instead, we're worried about everybody else but Jesus. I'm not going to walk away from my friends. I'm not hurting their feelings. Come on now. Who's more important? Who's more important? I'm not going to change my attitude. That's just who I am. You know what? You worry about yourself more than you worry about projecting yourself to Christ. Tell everybody how do you look like Christ. I'm, t- I'm tired of seeing, hearing Christians that they're bitter, nasty, hateful people, and they're like, that's just who I am. Deal with it. You know what? You're going to be dealing with it right on the hill because you ain't going to make it. You got to change your heart. God's not interested in your sacrifice. He's interested in your obedience because through obedience, then you will sacrifice. Most people that are sacrificing without obedience, the sacrifice is about them. Look what I'm doing. Look what I did. It's not about you. It's about Jesus. And God wants us to live live that way in our everyday lives. We're, We're projecting Jesus Christ everywhere we go. Chapter 2, verses 1 through 8 talks about how God's created us a holy nation, that we were created to grow, not just to be stagnant. He says, therefore, rid yourselves. Therefore, clear away all the malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, evil, slander of every kind, like newborn babies crave. That word crave means thirst for, hunger for, earnestly desire pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up into your salvation now that you have tasted and seen that the Lord is good. As you have come to him, the living stone rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood offering sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in the Scripture it says, So I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious, but those who don't believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. 
and a stone that curses people, to stum- causes people to stumble, and a rock that makes them fall. See, we were created to grow. That, 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 what I love in the beginning of that is how it says you have to rid yourselves. It takes intentionality, amen? You don't just say, I have decided to follow Jesus, and the next day you're a perfect saint. It don't happen that way. If it did, everybody would do it. Because it, it takes intentionality, it takes hard work, it takes sacrifice, it takes desire. You have to say, Jesus is more worthy than anything else so that I'm going to go through all this hell in order to please him. Amen? Amen. To rid yourself. You know, it was kind of like this morning, I came in here and Russ was, was dressed like he normally does. Before, man, before Christmas, he got, say, he, got, he got connected to his inner redneck of a Christmas. Homeboy showed up with a Dickies jacket on, a pair of boots, Georgia boots. I was like, whoa. He was like, I'm trying to look like you. I was like, you got a long way to go. But <laughs> So he wore me up. He wore them last week. He wore them two weeks in a row. And then today he comes in wearing his Converse. I was like, man, where's your boots? He's like, man, things are hurting my feet. Things are hurting my feet. I was like, man, you got to understand. The thing about a new pair of boots is you got to keep wearing them. And when it hurts, right when it's hurting the worst, is right when you're fixing to just, it's starting to, it's going to start breaking loose and it's going to get easier and easier. And next thing you know, you won't want to take them boots off. And it's like that when I walk with God. You have to be intentional. And to begin with, it's something new to us. Try, 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 trying to quit talking bad about people, trying to quit slandering people, trying to quit gossiping. It's hard. Can I get an amen? Act like y'all holy. What you talking about? But it's intentional. You got to be intentional, but you got to keep in that. And a lot of people, they get, they get, it gets hard. You know what they do? They just quit. They just quit. They take it off. You got to keep pressing on. You got to keep going. And just when you think it's the hardest it's ever been, you don't think you can make it through, God's going to see your obedience in that because you choose to follow him more than anything else. And when you get to the other side of that, you're going to be like, I'm never going back. I'm never going back. And there's so many of you in this room that went back to the old life because you, you didn't just keep pressing in. And I'm going to tell you, when you get to the point where it's like, I don't want that anymore, all I want was Christ, that's when true freedom is. That's when you can truly walk with Jesus Christ. So when you get home today, you need to put your boots back on. Amen? Amen. And you need to start walking in them. You need to have them on next week. <laughs> but I'm just saying, we got to be intentional with those things. It don't just happen overnight. He's not going to go home and put them boots on and they're going to be just perfect. They're going to hurt his feet still. There's there's sin, deep-rooted sin in our life. And all sin is is things that don't please God, but there's deep things in our life that we will never, ever rid ourselves of of, unless we are serious about the commitment to follow Jesus. Let's let's admit it. Some sin is fun, amen? We only go amen. Some sin is fun. We don't, want to let, we don't want to let that go because we've been doing it for years. You know, it's going, it ain't going to hurt just to keep doing that. Come on, God, I ain't got to let that go. He's saying, if you love me, you'll follow me. He don't want just a piece of your heart. He wants all your heart. Amen, Mr. Nick. He wants all of your heart. And a lot of us, we got what we do, it, it, we kind of just got like a little piece of it. We want God to have just a little piece of our heart. It's crazy to me. It upsets me. See, Peter, he lists 
that list that he gave was, was, a, was a list of common things that people just hung on to instead of giving them to God. Think back. What are you hanging on to? You know, and, and you may be walking. You may, you may have been wearing them boots for a while, and finally you're comfortable in your salvation, but you're still holding on to sin. Is there unforgiveness? Is there, is there something going on? I want to tell you, you, never, you will never arrive until you're at the feet of Jesus. It's every day growing closer to him. But it's intentional, amen? We've got to keep going. And, and what I love about this is Peter starts out the chapter by talking about a list of habits, and then he goes by talking about a baby. It's like, well, what's that got to do? What's a baby got to do with slander? What's, what's a baby got to do with malice? What's, what's, that got, what's that got to do with anything? Because I think Peter knew that a healthy baby instinctively knows that the milk will satisfy them. And I didn't understand that until I had Payson. That youngin' is perfect most of the time until he's hungry. And the first, and the first couple of months when he was home, I mean, Sabrina was like, Jeremy, stop feeding him. I was like, why? It's like, Every time he cries, don't mean he's hungry. I said, that's what they said in the hospital. I ain't lying. That young'll be hungry. Uh, he'd be he hollering. I couldn't handle it. Him screaming. I just, you got the hush. Here, here's that bottle. And he was blowing up, and I was like, you're feeding him too much. But he knows when he's hungry. See, the problem with most, most people is they're not truly following Christ enough because they're not hungry for the word. And you don't, you don't realize that you're hungry. If you're not if you're not walking with Christ, you won't be hungry for God's word. If you're not walking with Christ, you won't be hungry to change. You'll be the same old dead Christian that's religious. One of the things that breaks my heart the most is people that go to church every single Sunday. But there's never a change in their life. I had evangelists tell me one day that the people that are going to bust hell wide open or the people that went to church every single Sunday and thought they were saved. Just because you think you're saved don't mean you're saved. Does your actions speak louder than your words? Because if you truly are a follower of Jesus Christ, you will desire the pure spiritual milk. You will desire the Word of God. And I'm telling you from a, from, a, from a chief sinner here, I showed up to church every single Sunday and drank like a fish every single Saturday. I didn't pick up God's word at all, but I thought I was saved going to heaven because I prayed a prayer one time and got baptized. That meant nothing at the time. But when I truly got saved and I truly was filled with the Holy Spirit, I had a desire like I never had before to read God's word. Come on. Have you ever had that desire to read God's word? You wake up in the morning and it's like, ooh, what's in this thing? Have you ever wanted to read God's word? That's the thing. People that are truly, truly a follower of Christ, you will desire God's word. You want to eat it. You you, you will want it every single day. You'll get up in the morning and let's make me a Bible sandwich because I want to eat this thing. I want to devour this. I want to know what's in this thing. And the reason that you're no further down than your walk with Christ as you were when you made the commitment is because you're not walking with God. And I promise I'm not meaning to scream at you 45 minutes, but I want you to understand the magnitude of this. It's because people are just going to hell every single day, confused, thinking that they're right with God, but they're not really walking with Jesus. If we're truly following Christ, we will desire to be more like God. We will desire to be more like Christ. We will desire to change our lives. You know, continual nourishment from the milk is what causes the newborn to grow up. 
continual nourishment of the milk that causes the baby to grow up. And if you don't give that baby that milk, he won't grow. Same thing with our walk with God. It's continual nourishment from the Word. I tell people all the time, you won't know what God expects of you if you're not reading what God's Word says that He wants you to do. It's continual nourishment in the milk. See, what, what, what's crazy about this is that the whole thing with, with wanting it and, and desiring it is, you, is, is your hunger. Are you hungry for the Word? Are you hungry to be different? Are you hungry to change? That's, that's, that's the whole thing. It's all mixed up in the hunger part of it. Are you hungry for those things? See, if we're hungry for God's Word, we will starve out things that don't please Him. I want to tell you, I, I love chocolate cake. And take it back. I love chocolate cake. But for some reason, about five years ago, my body all of a sudden decided that it would not allow me to process sugar anymore. So I could, can't, eat, can't eat any kind of processed sugar. So when I eat it, you know what it does? It causes me so much pain and suffering that the cake ain't worth it. Don't mean I, that's the thing. Sometimes we have to starve out things we desire the most in order to be healthy. And the same thing with our walk with Christ. The things that, that see, we don't understand. We think sugar's good for us because it tastes good, it's sweet, but, but sugar's destructive. Same thing with sin. Sin's destructive. It looks enticing. It looks like, oh, it'd be fun, more fun to do that, but it is destructive and it will kill you. The Bible says that, 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 that sin will, will kill you. That's the thing. Our hunger is misplaced. Until you're truly hungry for the word of God, until you're truly hungry to please God, there will never be a true life change in your life. You'll keep on being the same old person that you always were, just trying to wear a different mask. God's called those people that wolves in sheep's clothing. Come on. It's more than just, I have decided to follow Jesus. It's, I am following Jesus. God don't want a bunch of fakers or posers. He wants people that are truly sold out. Because if we're truly sold out to him, God's going to use you in a mighty way to make a difference. But the reason you're not making a difference is either you're not hungry for him or you're not his. Simple as that. And the thing is, is we don't understand when we start following Christ that the moment you start following Jesus, you're not coasting downhill anymore. You turn around, you're swimming upstream. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You're swimming upstream. And then sometimes it's a struggle, but other times you get, you get times where it's easy. But it's all about what difference between what you love and what you hate. See, God says, I hate sin. We should love the things of God, but hate the things God hates. Amen? Love versus hate. You know, a lot of us love our bodies so much that we're willing to do without some food. I know some of your ladies are looking at me mean right now, but I'm just going to be straight with you. Sabrina started a diet. She's like, I got to get rid of this baby body, and I got to get back to my old self. And let me tell you, we all about to start a death at my house. <laughs> she started doing this meal prep. Let me tell you, who eats a piece of meat this big? Nobody. Evidently, my wife and Dallas's wife does. But anyway, she's doing this meal prep. We're doing this stuff. Because, why? Why is she sacrificing? Why is she, why is she doing those things? Because she's hungry to get her body back. She, she's desiring, so she's willing to stop eating certain things in order to get, that, get her body where she wants it to be. Come on, put this in context. 
Same thing with our walk with Christ. If we want to be everything that God's called us to be, then we're going to walk away from things that don't please God. We're going, to, we're, going to, we're going to starve our sinful nature. We're going to starve those things that don't please God. We're going to walk away from those things so that we please God because we want to be right. We want to look right inside, right? But instead, we're not hungry for God because we've indulged ourselves on the things of this world. And we have not, we forgot how good God is. And God's word says, indeed, if you have tasted and seen that the Lord is good. So if you've tasted and you've seen that the Lord is good, if God's done a work in your life and you know that he is good, who knows that the Lord is good up in here? Amen. All right, we, we've tasted and we have seen that the Lord is good. We've seen him do things in our life. So if we tasted and we have seen that the Lord is good, then we're going to walk away from those things that don't please him. We're going to be intentional, right? But if we're not intentionally walking away from them, it poses the question, have I really tasted the goodness of God? I want, you to, I want you to think about that today. Because once a person has come and tasted of the goodness of God, like they should be, he won't, he, he won't continue to have appetite that don't please him. He'll, he'll want to change his appetite. He'll do anything he can do to please God. I want to tell you, y'all have heard me say it before, but to me it's addictive here to seeing God answer prayers. And when I first started walking with God, I started trying to walk away from, from, a, from a mouth that was nasty and, and, different, and, and alcohol and different things. And I couldn't free myself, so I started fasting for those things. And to see God deliver me from those things was exciting. It was like God's answered my prayers. He, he, this, this word is true. It was, and the next thing you know, it's just addictive. It's like, God, do this. God, take this away. Lord, take that away. And it was like seeing God take things away. And I started walking with him. Being, I felt like a 500-pound glutton with sin. And then I, next thing you know, I was 250. I done slimmed down. I was half of what I was. Come on, that was funny. Y'all don't sit long and look at me. But I'm just saying that that's the thing is, are you serious about, sin, about getting sin out of your life? Because that's what a true follower of Christ does. But what you see is you see a pile of people that are still walking in the same sinful lifestyle they always have and claiming to have Jesus. And that's not it. That's not it. You know, baptism is a thing that we celebrate, and it, and it shows like a, it's a proclamation to the world of, I have decided to follow Jesus. And we make a big deal out of baptism because it's a celebration of us saying, you have decided to follow Christ, and we want the world to know that you have decided to follow Christ. And when you dunk somebody down, it's the symbology of down with the old sinful person, and you're washing their soul clean with the blood of Jesus, and out comes the new. Y'all with me? That's the symbology of it. But see, I'm thinking that we got to start baptizing people in the river so that when we dunk them, that the sin goes downstream. Because when we keep dunking people in that pool, it feels like when they get up, it's still stuck to them. They keep walking in that same sin. We might need to get a shower. When we get out of the baptism, you shower off. You got to shower that sin off and keep on going because it's sticking to some of you. And that's the thing. Sin doesn't please God. And if we got, if we've made the commitment, say we made a commitment and we got baptized, but we're still walking in the same sin we always have, that didn't mean nothing. You're still lost. You're still not right. The only way you get right is unless you really, truly are pursuing God and saying, I want you more than this. I want you more than the acceptance of other people. I want you, Lord Jesus. God's called us to be a holy people, amen? God's called us to walk with him. And he's called you to grow, not to be stagnant. And that's why Connect Group is so important. 
It, it, it helps you and enables you to grow. Me, me as, the, as a pastor, I've grown more in the past year and a half being in a connect group than I have ever because I've had people walking with me, had people holding me accountable. I've had people that are pouring into my life. And it never fails me that when we're a group, and, I, and I'm like, how did God speak to you today? And somebody would, would say something that God kind of convicted them of, and it's like, hmm, hmm. Like, Jeremy, your turn. It's like, you know what, pass. I don't want to talk about because that just convicted me. Connect group helps us grow. You can't grow. You're not going to grow by yourself. You're not. Some people are strong enough, but early when you start walking with Christ, you need other people to come alongside of you and help encourage you. Because there's going to be times when you hit a wall. And if you hadn't hit a wall yet, guess what? You're going to. But when you hit a wall, you've got people that are helping you climb over that wall. They're telling you, don't give up. Don't stop. Jesus is worth it. This, there's more to this life than what you're going through right now. Persevere. That's why connect group is so important. That's why, we, that's why we encourage everyone to be in a connect group because I realize for a lot of people, that's the difference between life and death. That's the difference between did the commitment really mean something to me or am I just playing games? Because if you're serious about Jesus, you'll be serious about connect group. If you're be serious about Jesus, you'll be serious about changing and growing and reaching other people. If you just come and go, come and go, you're not serious about Jesus, I don't care what you say because your actions speak louder than your words. And God's not worried about your words. He wants your heart. See, the thing about love and hate is one of the things I realized that I have to love God so much that I'm worried, I don't care what people think about me. And it's taken me a long time to get there. And I was writing this, and I didn't want to tell you, but God really been convicting me, so I'm going to tell you anyway. We were right, we were, me and Dallas and Rick and I was walking down the trail. And, and, and Rick and them had been leading, and we'd been doing this thing for about, you know, six hours, and Dallas was like, I'm the king of the trail. Let me in front. So Dallas is leading the trail. And I mean, we were just talking back and forth, and I, and I said something to him. And when I said it, I was like, I'm not sure about that, but I went ahead and said it anyway. And the more we walked, the more I was like, did I just lie? Did I just tell Dallas a lie? It's like, well, ain't nobody up here but me and Dallas and the Britney's back there. Ain't nobody going to know. We keep on going up the mountain. And the more I go, the more that stuff starts gnawing it. And I'm like, yeah, I, I, did, I just lied to Dallas. And I'm like, oh, Lord God, forgive me. I just lied to Dallas. Forgive me. And I was like, you know what? Dallas don't know that I lied. And the more I walked, the more it gnawed at me. And the more it gnawed at me. And finally, I was like, hey, Dallas, slow down. It's more like, hey, Dallas, slow down. Because I was way back there in the back. I got up there to him. I was like, man, look, I'm going to tell you something. A while ago when we was walking, you remember this? I, I lied to you. I lied. Man, I'm sorry. I, I said this, and, and I shouldn't have. I really meant this. And he was like, you stopped me for that? I mean, that ain't no big deal. I was like, man, I can't help it. God was getting me. God was getting me. And it's the difference. It's like, I want to please God so much. Nobody would have known but me and Jesus. Nobody would have known. A lot of us is like, okay, well, if I feel guilty, it's good. Look, there's a difference between guilt and obedience. Guilt means I feel bad about it. Obedience means I do something about it. And there's a lot of you been walking in guilt, but not many have been walking through obedience. And I'm preaching from my heart today because we need to be people that obey God's word, not just know God's word. Amen? Obedience without sacrifice. I mean, sacrifice without obedience means nothing. 
We've got to be able to, to put it all out there because we want God glorified. See, in the last part, chapter 2, verses 9, we need to realize that God made us so that when we, when we acknowledge that he is the Savior, when we, when we center our life on him, when we start growing, that he's using us to reach the world. Verse, verse, chapter 2, verse 9 says this. It says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into the wonderful light. Once, that means one time, not still are, okay? Once you were not his people, but now you are the people of God. Once you have not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So because we realize and recognize that we have received the mercy of God, then we will in turn become a vessel that reaches other people. We're set apart, amen? We're different. We're different. And when you're different, people can, make it, people can tell that you're different. When I was 16 years old, or 17 years old, I bought a, a Toyota truck. And what made me buy that truck, I was like, man, that thing's different. Nobody's got a truck like that. I'm going to be unique. It was, man, it was pretty. It was, it was maroon. Some of y'all remember that truck. That thing was pretty. It was maroon with, with silver at the bottom. It was a Toyota, too. It was two-tone. Man, that thing was sharp. But what I forgot, what I didn't realize about having a truck that was so unique that stood out is that when I did something bad, everybody knew it was me. Daddy called me one day. He's like, Jeremy, were you at the rec department spinning wheels? I was like, nope, it wasn't me. He's like, well, somebody said they seen your truck. So they lied. They didn't see my truck. Like, they said it was a silver, I mean, a, a maroon Toyota with a whip antenna. I mean, he named it down to a T. I was like, you know what? That might have been me, Daddy. <laughs> but the thing is about being different is that we stand out. Are you standing out? Are you blending in? See, blending in is easy. We just keep living the way we live and keep doing like everybody else is doing and nobody notices us and we never make a difference. But when you stand out, it means you're standing on something. That means, you know what? I believe in what I believe. I believe that what I believe that Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world. I believe that Jesus Christ is the answer to all your problems and my problems. I believe that Jesus Christ can change any situation. I believe that Jesus Christ is a chain, is a chain breaker. I believe in Jesus. So I'm walking in a way that pleases Jesus so that he can use me as a redeemer to redeem other people. Amen? But you will never be used unless you choose to stand out. And you will never stand out unless you choose to walk away from sin and walk away from things that don't please God. I mean, if you're not getting noticed for being different, then you're just blending in. How many of us in this room are just blending in? God didn't create us to blend in. When I look at what God did through Israel, what he did, he, he created those people to, to stand out so the people would know that the people of Israel was God's people. That's why he did all those, the, the um, sacrificial system and all that so the people would be like, what are you burning that cow on that altar for? Why are you doing that? Because I'm a follower of God. And they associated that, they were so, people were so different. We won't make a difference in the community around us unless we're different. God's called us out to be different, not to blend in. And the every average, the average everyday Christian doesn't blend in. He stands out. She stands out.
and they stand on the Word of God. And even though they might hit persecution, even though they might be not popular about it, you know what? They say, Jesus Christ is worth it. And you know what? Any kind of, any kind of ridicule I can get here on this earth doesn't matter to the benefit and, the, and just the pleasing sight of my Savior when I get to heaven. See, we, we got our perspective messed up to where we're living for the day and the moment instead of living for eternity. And we live every day for eternity. We live every day thinking, I'm getting ready to go to heaven. I'm getting ready to meet Jesus. Living every single day knowing that I want to be closer to Christ so that I can be approved in his sight. Every single day thinking about eternity, it changes the way you do your life. It changes the way you view sin. It changes the way that you respond to other people. It changes the way that you live your life. And I beg you today to center your life on Christ. I beg you today to be the man and woman. It's a vessel of change. I beg you today to listen to the cry of Jesus. The Holy Spirit has been tugging on your heart, but yet you've been sitting there stuck in your own ways, won't do your own thing. And he's saying, surrender today. Give it to me today. Be that peculiar people that I've called you to be that stands out so that I can use you to be the light. See, if we don't step out and be obedient, there'll always be that dark cloud in our society. There'll always be that dark cloud in our community. But the moment we fix our eyes on the sun is when we'll be the light. Are you interested in being the light? I got to the point in my walk with God to where I really was like, I, hadn't, I, I, I was playing games. I was religious. I was going to church. And I finally said, God, if you're real, reveal yourself to me. Because I had seen people that claimed to be Christians but wasn't. Half the people I was partying with were Sunday school teachers and deacons. I was like, God, if you're real, then show me something because they ain't. And if I would have followed them, I would have followed them right on to hell. And at Woodstock, Georgia, the men's conference, it was like God was saying, Jeremy, here I am. But it's not about religion. It's about a relationship. And if you want me, come. But you've got to follow me. You've got to rely on me. You've got to submit your life to me. And you've got to change your life and do what I say do. You've got to send your life on me. And the moment I did that, I found peace like I never had before. And I realized the error of my ways before. And I never wanted to go back there. There's some of you in this room that has never tasted that. You've never truly tasted and seen that the Lord is good. You've seen other people that tasted it. You've seen other people that are living it out, but you've never tasted it yourself. Maybe today you need to surrender your life and give your life to Jesus. And that's you today. I want you to be bold. I want you to, I want you to say, I, I, want to, I want that relationship. I want to follow Christ. I want to be that man, that woman. I want to surrender my life to him so that I can change so I can be intentional, so I can please God. I want you to be bold and raise your hand because God's Word says that if you deny me before me, I will deny you before the Father. It's important that we love Him so much. We think about Him so much. We think, hey, He can save me. I want to do this thing. Who wants to follow Christ? Be bold. Say, today I have decided to follow Jesus. I want to surrender my life. I've been playing games. I, have, I want to surrender right now. I want to give Him my life. We're going to, we're going to just celebrate with you. Everybody's good then, huh? Everybody's good.
Our actions speak louder than our words. So what has your actions been saying? How does your walk look to other people? Does it vocalize I'm different? Does it vocalize I'm following Christ? Does it vocalize I am intentionally shedding sin out of my life or are you still walking in the same way you've always walked? If he's made a difference, it'll make a difference in your life. It'll show up. There'll be fruit. Maybe you should have raised your hand then. Maybe you should have said, you know, there's no fruit in my life that's really showing that I'm a follower of Christ. I'll be right over there. And I'll be, on, I'll be happy to pray with you. But for those of you that didn't raise your hand, those of you that said, I have decided to follow Jesus, I'm walking with him, what does the fruit say? What does the fruit say? If we want to be the everyday Christian God's called us to be, if we want to be the light of the world that he's called us to be, then we have to walk away from things. Maybe today you need to come to this altar and say, God, change my appetite today. God, help me reject sin. Maybe you need to come lay sin at the altar that you've been struggling with and leave it here today. Maybe today you're like, you know what? I need to get connected in a connect group. That's, go back to the, to the next steps. Find anybody with a green shirt. We'll hook you up today. Let's stop being a people that comes and goes out of these doors and don't change. God don't want that. He wants you to change. He wants your life to show a life worthy of the sacrifice Jesus paid for your salvation. And does it do that? Does it do that? And I can beg you, I can plead, I could preach five more hours. It's not going to change unless you see Jesus more important than your own life. God's word says in Matthew 10, I think. Then I'll hush. But Matthew 10, yes. 37, he says, anyone who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds their life will lose it. And whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. When we abandon everything else, when it's just Jesus, it's the most important thing in our life. That's when you truly understand what your salvation is. Does that characterize you? What's holding you back? What's holding you back from being the man and woman God's called you to be? What's, what, are you, what, are you, what are you giving God excuses on? God, maybe later, maybe not right now. Let's stop playing games. If we believe that Jesus could come back any time, then we need to be right every single day. We need to pursue God every single day. We need to be making sure that we are making a difference everywhere we go, but we won't unless he is the center of our life. So I pray today that that's your cry. I want to center my life on Christ. God, let me center my life on Christ. Come to this altar and give it to him. Amen? Let's be the people. God's going to use this ministry in a big way. God's going to save thousands of people through this ministry. But guess what? You've got to want it. You've got to desire Jesus more than anything. You've got to be used in it. He's not going to do anything if we're a bunch of people that are playing games every Sunday, coming in and leaving and not changing. We, if you want to be the change, we got to change. God's called us to, church. God's called us to. 
And nothing's going to change in the life of your family and your friends and your coworkers if they don't see a difference in you. Fight for the difference. Fight to be the light that God's called us to be. Because it's worth it. Father, we come to you right now. Lord, we lay it all on the line today. God, we reject, Lord, any kind of form of mediocrity, Lord. We pray, Father, that you would give us the boldness to, to concentrate ourselves to you today, to really truly commit our life to say, Lord, I want to get rid of this sin, God. I want to get rid of these things that don't please you, Father. I want to be the man and the woman you called me to be, God. I want to be a man and woman that, that lives worthy of the sacrifice you paid for me, dear Jesus. Lord, I pray, God, you'd move into our hearts, Lord, because only you know the heart of a man and a woman. Only you can change people's hearts, Lord. So God, we ask you to please, God, break our hearts before it breaks yours. God, help us be intentional with that. Father, God, pour out your anointing upon us right now. God, I pray that your power would fall. God, you would just break the chains of pride, break the chains of addiction. God, break the chains, Lord, of, uh, of self-promotion, Lord. God, break the chains of racism. Lord, break the chains of acceptance of sin, Lord. God, break the chains that hold us back so that we may glorify you, Lord. Father, the most important thing is that we give our life to you, that we are known by, that we are your people. Not by just our association with you, but God, that we stand out. So Father, I pray that if there are things in our lives right now that keep us from standing out, then God, I pray that you would show us right now and we would love you more than we love our sin and God, we would bring it before you right now. Help us, Father. Because only you can deliver us. In Jesus' name.